this ain't no get rich quick thing. Create your own economy. Cause we ahead of the crypto curve. Yeah. Create your own economy. Let's get ahead of the crypto curve. Yeah. Learn from the queen of crypto, your host, Nadja Roberts. Leading people out of financial slavery through Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Create your own economy. Let's get ahead of the crypto curve. Learn to get left behind. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Ahead of the Crypto Curve, where we are creating Satoshi millionaires, one family at a time, one day at a time, one Bitcoin at a time one satoshi at a time and ladies and gentlemen that means you i am your host naja roberts and it is my mission in life to lead my people out of financial slavery today is january the 23rd 2023 and i would just like to personally say happy birthday to each and every one of you cryptopians out there that are listening whose birthday is today. May your day be filled with all the love, joy, peace, and happiness that you deserve. And again, happy birthday to you. So as we jump into this cryptocurrency conversation today, we're going to start off with my cryptocurrency quote. And that quote just says, Bitcoin and medicine have one thing in common. They can both cause problems for some people as well as solve them for others. And I'm convinced that in my community, we will benefit from the latter. And so with that being said, as you know, medicine can cure somebody. Well, they can't necessarily cure because medicine isn't a cure. Actually, medicine is a band-aid for some folks for some medical problems, but for others, it can cause all of those side effects that you hear on some of the commercials, including the end result of death. And so with Bitcoin, it absolutely has the same characteristics. Bitcoin is going to absolutely kill those individuals and their monetary system who seek to continue to have control over everyone and their money. But it's also going to liberate those of us that are in a space where we're looking for self-sovereignty, we're looking to cut out the middleman, we're looking to really be our own banks and do what we need to do for our community. So I'm excited about that quote. And again, it says, Bitcoin and medicine have one thing in common. They both cause problems for some people as well as solve them for others. I'm convinced my community will benefit from the latter. And so that is our quote for the day. I hope you enjoyed that. So ladies and gentlemen, as promised, we are going to jump into the basics of Bitcoin. Now, we did this last year this time, and we spent a lot of time going over the basics. But since we only have a short span of time and we've got five days to do it, I'll just tell you this, you have time to make sure that you have a couple of friends that are downloading the app and that are listening in to this Bitcoin Basics. It is absolutely for you to understand what's happening in this cryptocurrency space from the the foundation so that you have something to build on. And if you haven't heard this before, if you have heard this before, this is a great opportunity for you to actually 
get this repetitive information because it helps you to talk to different family members. It helps you to talk to, talk to coworkers. It just really helps you uh, really get a grasp on what's going on. And so as we get into this cryptocurrency conversation, I will always start any presentation with this quote. What you don't know will hurt you because so many times as we grew up, we heard the term, what you don't know won't hurt you, but it absolutely will. And so one of the biggest things that a lot of people don't know or don't understand is that the Federal Reserve Bank is not a federal entity. Most people think it is, and it is absolutely not. It is no more federal than Federal Express that drops your packages off at your door. So the fact of the matter is that the Federal Reserve Bank was created by a lot of the grandfathers of some of the banks that we know right now today. And some of the names included Nelson Aldrich. You can take a look, you can look this stuff up and you can do research on your own. And that's spelled A-L-D-R-I-C-H. We got Henry Davison, A. Pyatt Andrew, Arthur Shelton, Frank Vanderlip, and Paul Warburg. And a lot of these individuals, and there's more than this, this is just some of the people that were actually identified because it was actually a secret meeting that went on. And some of these grandfathers are grandfathers of the banks that you know well, like the Chase, the JP Morgan, the Fifth Third, the Deutsche. All of those grandfathers were in the room or on this island, not necessarily in a room. They were on an actual island where they took the weekend to really figure out how to put in place the Federal Reserve banking system in an effort to make sure that they controlled all the money in the world, coming in, coming out, and in other countries. And so the bottom line, and I always say this, he who controls the money controls the world. And they have had a monopoly since about 1913 in that area. So if you're interested in finding out more about this uh, meeting that took place on this island, the island is called Jekyll, J-E-Y-K-L-L, -L, Jekyll Island. And you can also uh, go to YouTube and type in The Creature of Jekyll Island, or you can order the book called The Creature of Jekyll Island, and it'll share with you just how this Federal Reserve banking system was actually implemented and put in place, and it's been functioning very well since its inception. In fact, I am finding more and more about how beholding our government is to this group of individuals that run these Federal Reserve banks. It is just astounding. The, the, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's not unbelievable because nothing is unbelievable in these days, in these times. But just to see how these individuals got together and created something that would control the world for thus this long is really, really incredible. And, you know, every time I look at the formation of the Federal Reserve Bank, I think about the, 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 the fact that these gentlemen did not fight each other because someone owned the bank and someone else owned the bank or someone else owned the bank. What they did, in fact, ladies and gentlemen, was they came together. And if we could be more like them in our community, instead of us being and having that crabs in the barrel syndrome, if we could just pull together and work together collectively, even though we have the same businesses for one common goal, and that's to control whatever 
um, area or arena we're in, it would be a great thing. And that's exactly what these gentlemen did. And so uh, they've been very successful. And, and, and they always say that success leaves clues. So moving forward, if we, ladies and gentlemen, or are to be in a position where we control money, where we control everything around us, where we are taking each and every person and collectively working together, we have a lot to learn from this Federal Reserve Banking System and what they did from the very, very beginning to really pull this off and put it together. So with that, we're going to move into how and where we are where we are today. And I start with the Federal Reserve Bank because everybody needs to know the basics about where and how this new money that we're dealing with right now um, has started. And it started with old money. And so as we talk about uh, this whole cryptocurrency space, it all has to do with how money works and what money is. So we're going to jump into the evolution of money. And so for those of you that have never really understood how money is evolving, I want to make sure that we start this conversation by me telling you that money can be anything, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm going to repeat that again. Anything that someone is willing to utilize or exchange for goods and services. So if today we decide that uh, money is going to be a Duracell battery and I'm able to go to the store and they will accept that Duracell battery in exchange for eggs and meat. That becomes the medium of exchange. It becomes the money. So when we're looking and understanding cryptocurrency and all the different cryptocurrencies out there, just understand again that money can be anything that someone is willing to trade with you for goods and services. That being said, there have been a lot of things in the past that we as human beings have used as money. And so as we explore the evolution of money, we're going to talk about why these different things that we've used for money have been good, have been bad, or are still around today. And so as we move forward, ladies and gentlemen, we will get into exactly what has been utilized as money, was good money, was bad money, was still in existence today. But we're going to get into this evolution of money. When we come forward, this is KBLA Talk 1580. In a moment, more with Naja Roberts as we get ahead of the crypto curve on KBLA Talk 1580. You're listening to Ahead of the Crypto Curve with Naja Roberts on KBLA Talk 1580. All right, all right, welcome forward. So let's get into some of the things in the past that have been used as money. And then we're going to talk about why or why not those things did not stay around or why they were good money or bad money. So if we think back and throughout history, we have done and used just about everything. Uh, if we think about bartering throughout history, forever we have been bartering. If you have a cow and I have chickens, maybe I need some milk and maybe you need some eggs. And so we go and we barter, we barter. So I give you those eggs, you give me the milk and we figure out what that medium of exchange looks like. Well, what if I just need some meat to eat? And so maybe I just need a thigh from the cow and I don't necessarily need a whole cow, 
but how many eggs do I have to give you in order to make that bartering situation happen, to make it good? And so it becomes hard to kind of divvy up the parts of the cow that are equal to the amount of eggs that you need to give somebody. And so bartering became very difficult as more commerce needed to happen because people didn't have all of their dairy animals or all of their chickens on their farms. Uh, you know, different people started having different things. So it became very difficult to really split up and divide uh, animals to make it work out in the bartering system. So we looked to other things to really help us figure out not only how to barter, but who actually held the most money or most wealth in the community. And so we've used everything, ladies and gentlemen. We are always evolving. We've used rocks, rocks on the ground, regular rocks. Yes, we've used that as money. We've used sticks sticks on the ground, we've used those sticks. We've also used cowrie shells out of the ocean. And a cowrie shell, you know, some of us wear those in our hair. They're the little white shells that we wear when you have braids or sister locks or things of that sort. Those are cowrie shells. At one time, they were utilized as money. We've also used uh, salt from the ocean and we made salt tablets. And those salt tablets were used as money. And we've also used a flower. That flower is called a tulip. And again, tulips were utilized as money. And so all of these different things, and I'll probably think of a couple of more things that we've used throughout history as I'm teaching this particular segment, but you have to understand that again, money can be anything that someone is willing to trade with you or utilize for goods and services. And so as we take a look at rocks and sticks and salt in the ocean, why weren't those good mediums of exchanges? Why weren't those great hard monies? And that's because rocks are everywhere, sticks are everywhere. And if I wanted to uh, be the richest person in the village, what I would do is get up early in the morning when nobody was paying attention, and I would go out and I would collect a bunch of rocks because rocks was a medium of exchange, but it also was how they tallied up and kept track of who had the most wealth. And so because rocks were not scarce, sticks are not scarce, cowrie shells obviously are not scarce because they're in the ocean, they're everywhere. They weren't really good, solid uh, mediums of exchange or tallies to, to keep track of who had the most wealth because they were just everywhere. There was no scarcity to them. And then there were things like these salt tablets. Now, why weren't salt tablets good for money? Salt wasn't everywhere. There's a lot of salt in the ocean, but it wasn't everywhere. So it kind of made it scarce because you had to go, you had to gather this salt and there was a whole process that had to be made. But that salt, ladies and gentlemen, once wet, disintegrated. So that's money that actually disappeared or just dissipated back into the earth when it became wet. And they had these big, huge, huge salt tablets. And when any rain came or any other type of uh, humidity or anything like that, that salt would be destroyed. The salt tablets would be destroyed. And there went the money supply. And so salt obviously was not a good medium of exchange either. And then we talk about tulips. Now, what was this whole thing about tulips? 
if tulips were the medium of exchange, everyone would be growing them in their backyard. And they did. They did exactly that during those times. And so tulips were utilized as money. It was like this whole, uh, you know, we talk about all these crazes and things that just come up and it was like a fad and everybody wanted to do it. Well, when tulips was being utilized as money, everybody went home, obviously, and decided that they were going to grow tulips. And so that wasn't a good medium of exchange because everybody was growing money in their houses, in their backyards and everywhere else. And so that soon faded away because the scarcity was not there. And then those individuals who controlled the money were not able to keep a real good tight rain on money because everyone was growing it kind of like right now if someone was to say you know that marijuana or something was going to be the medium of exchange everybody's growing it uh people are growing it secretly people are growing it legally people do all sorts of things to make sure that they have money and tulips was no different and so because we couldn't find a real good solid hard money Everyone kept looking. And so there's been other little things that we've utilized as money over time. But one of the biggest and greatest things that we found and utilized as money was found inside of a mountain. And that is gold. And so there was this big gold rush that happened because everyone was going out and trying to mine for gold. And gold became the medium of exchange for many, many years. And it still is a medium of exchange today. In fact, there's a lot of conversation about whether Bitcoin is going to be the replacement of gold. And if you look up New York Times article just this week, they're talking about Bitcoin possibly being the medium of exchange or the store of value that is going to replace gold. Now, none of us really know how this is going to play out because gold is absolutely scarce. Gold is a great hard money. Gold is being used as uh, people are using it as a medium of exchange, but they're also using it to, to hide and save the value of their money. They're using it as a store of value. So some people have the gold in their safe. Some people are entrusting their gold to other gold uh, dealers and different individuals who hold on to their gold. But the fact of the matter is that this gold that uh, has been around for about 5,000 years, ladies and gentlemen, has been and still is a medium of exchange that stuck throughout human history. And so as we look at gold and why it changed from what it in, to what it is today, uh, let's just talk about what happened. And so as we look at gold, we understand that uh, everyone was taking this gold, they were taking it to the grocery store, they were buying goods, they were buying services, they were buying wagons, they were doing all of these things. In 1933, something interesting happened. This is an executive order from the president of the United States at the time, and I'm going to go ahead and read this executive order since you can't see it. It says, under the executive order of the president of the United States, all persons are required to deliver on or before May 1st, 1933, all gold coin, gold bullion, and gold certificates now owned by them to the Federal Reserve Bank 
branch or agency or to any member of the bank of the Federal Reserve System. And again, this was a presidential executive order in 1933. Now let's think back to who we had to turn our goal over to here in the United States. This wasn't an option. This was mandatory. And if you did not comply and you were caught holding gold, you went to jail. Now, again, the reason I tried to make the point as to who the Federal Reserve bankers were was because of this particular thing here. So you owe gold. You owned gold. You had gold at your house at that period of time in 1933, or you were utilizing it to do whatever you were doing with the gold, holding on to it, storing it, using it as a medium of exchange. And all of a sudden, you have to turn it over to the Federal Reserve bankers, the grandfathers of Chase, JP Morgan, and all of those different uh, banks. But they had to give you something, ladies and gentlemen, to go to the general store to buy your goods and services. So they gave out those metal coins, metal coins in exchange for your gold. And again, this wasn't optional. This was mandatory. And how many of you remember those silver dollars or uh, half a dollars that your grandparents used to have in the drawer? I remember my grandmother had them everywhere. That came from the 1930s when they started making coins to replace the gold that had to be turned into the banking system. And so that is when we started this whole evolution of money into what we see right now. And now we have not just the coins, but we have this piece of paper, which is really a sheet of paper, ladies and gentlemen, and it's called fiat, fiat. F-I-A-T. And a lot of times when I'm teaching, I'm talking about fiat. And what is fiat? The Webster's Dictionary, ladies and gentlemen, state that fiat money is a currency without intrinsic value that has been established as money, often by government regulation. Fiat money does not have use value and has value only because a government maintains its value or because parties engaging in exchange agree on this value. And that's what I've been saying to you over and over again. And so why is the money in our pocket today so very important to us? It is because we can take it anywhere that we want to pretty much in the world and parties will engage in the exchange because it's agreed upon by the different governments. And so that's why we utilize this fiat money. That's why we have so much trust in the money system is because we can take this money and go anywhere we want and buy whatever we want. And so for the last hundred years, we have literally been very comfortable with our fiat money. But something happened with the coins. You remember the coins used to be silver. The coins used to be copper, but they're not anymore. If you look at the real makeup of these coins, they're not actually even the precious metal that they were giving us in the beginning in, in exchange for our gold. And this dollar is definitely not especially if you're reading the Webster's Dictionary, it is definitely not worth what we feel it's worth, but it is a perceived value. So as we move forward, I'm going to ask you all, because there's a lot of you that are listening today that do not know the answer to this. 
is our fiat dollar backed by the gold? So remember, we had to turn the gold in in 1933. They gave us these metal coins and they gave us this fiat money to cover the amount of gold we actually turned in the, to the Federal Reserve Bank. So again, I ask you, is our money backed by gold? And for some of you, you say yes. For some of you, you say no. And I am going to tell you that no. Our dollar is no longer backed by gold. And why is that? Because President Nixon took us off the gold standard in 1971. And when he took us off the gold standard, it was so that that gold could be moved around and different things could happen with the gold. But what I'm finding out in my research is that nobody knows where that gold is today. Like truly, truly knows where that gold is today. And so someone got a hold of that gold. That gold is no longer in Fort Knox. And you can go do your research and try to figure out where it is. You won't be the only person looking. A lot of people are looking for it, trying to figure out exactly what happened with that gold. But because Richard Nixon knew that there was no gold to back our dollar, he took us off the gold standard. And that's when we started with the full-on fiat system. And the reason why that's important is because we just talked about cycles. I just taught you all about revolutionary cycles. And the monetary cycle is that money without something backing it is only going to be good for approximately 50 years. Well, right now, ladies and gentlemen, we are a little bit past the 50 years on the fiat currency. And so historically, any country that has gone to fiat money has collapsed. The whole empire has collapsed in, the, in and around the 50th year. So we're overdue for something to happen because of the fact that we have this fiat money with no intrinsic value other than what the government says it's worth. And so that was the next evolution of money that happened, which was this fiat. And so we move to the next part of the evolution of money, and that is fiat-backed um, credit cards and so we all have credit cards we all know what credit cards do but what ushered into this era of credit cards was people learning how to spend money that they didn't have and pay for it later but we all know credit cards is a real big part of our uh culture right now a part of our communities a part of our whole our, our whole everything that a lot of us do have to do with credit cards and so uh credit cards is the next step in the evolution of money but i want you to think about the fact that when you spend some, uh, or purchase something utilizing a credit card no real money is actually being exchanged it's just numbers that are going across from one bank to the next and kind of like some ious going on all over the place and so that was the next step in the evolution of money and then, ladies and gentlemen, we get into where we are still again. We're in the middle of a digital revolution. So I want you all to think about Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, Zelle. All of these things are electronic money. That is digital money already, but it's based on the fiat system. And so as we go throughout life, you know, a lot of us, especially our Gen Xers and our Gen Zs, they never even touch money coming out of their paychecks. It goes straight directly into the bank. And then from there, they're using Zelle, PayPal, Venmo, Cash App to do all of their transactions 
to pay their rent, to pay their bills, to pay their friends, and they never actually touch the actual uh, dollar. And so our world is changing in such a major way. And so that is the next step in the evolution of money is that uh, electronic money that we know today. And so one of the things I want to also point out and that you can do some research in your own time, I would like for you all to Google China's nearly cashless society. Again, that's China's nearly cashless society. You can watch it on YouTube. And I want you to see how old that video is and how China has actually been almost cashless for probably the last four or five years. And the United States has got a lot of catching up to do. But I am going to say this to each and every one of you. The digital revolution has begun and the money in your pocket is worth less today than it was yesterday. And that's a fact because money is changing all the way around. And so cryptocurrency is the latest stage in our financial evolution. And I know that you want to hear what does that mean to you? And I'm going to share with you what that means to you. I'm going to talk to you all about this cryptocurrency space so that you get it and you know what's going on. And when we come forward, ladies and gentlemen, after traffic, sports and news, we're going to jump back into this. We're going to format our show just a little bit different today so we can get this information out. This is KBLA Talk 1580. We may be LA's newest talk station, but when you're punching above your weight, it's not about whether you can throw a punch. Can you take a punch? We're unapologetically progressive. KBLA Talk 1580. And we don't black down. We knew you'd stick around. This is LA's home for progressive talk radio. Welcome back to KBLA Talk 1580. All right. Welcome forward. Welcome forward. So as we jump into just ending this first small segment, again, we're going to do this all week till we get every piece of this puzzle put together. I am not insinuating as we go into this next section that Bitcoin be the only thing that you do in this world as it relates to money. I believe that adding cryptocurrency to your portfolio can actually save your financial portfolio. So what I'm suggesting you do is add Bitcoin to your portfolio, continue doing everything that you do, real estate, certificate of deposits, money market accounts, stock, cash held in your savings. Uh, I'll caution you on that. But uh, self-directed IRAs, 401ks, another caution on the 401ks. I'm not a financial advisor anymore. To anyone listening today providing any type of financial advice, I am only giving you just some information on what you need to know. So adding Bitcoin to your portfolio could possibly save your financial portfolio. And so as we move into the next stage in this evolution of money, we get to cryptocurrency. Now, what is cryptocurrencies? Virtual currencies, digital money is cash that is online. They live online. They're not backed by the government. They're not backed by gold. They are not backed by anything, just like money isn't. Fiat dollar right now is not backed by anything. They are, for the most part, a digital currency that you will never hold physically in your hand. Now, I know that there are people out there in our community that are telling us that there is a cryptocurrency 
that they are selling that is gold is backed by gold and that you can hold the gold and the gold is in this pretty little packaged deal where you're not supposed to open it or it loses its value. First of all, that would make me skeptical. If you open the casing, it makes your gold not valuable. Doesn't make sense, but you know, you go figure. But these cryptocurrencies are 100% decentralized, meaning that someone owns them. Bitcoin is one of the only cryptocurrencies that is not decentralized. And we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. And so as we look at cryptocurrencies, I like to help people understand cryptocurrencies being an overarching uh, asset class, just like stocks are an overarching asset class. You have Nike, you have Tesla, you have uh, Southern California Edison. They all do different things. And you invest in the companies because they all do different things. Tesla's going to make these great electric vehicles. Southern California Edison is going to charge us forever. And so you'll, you'll have dividends forever. Nike has these phenomenal shoes and great marketing, and it gets all these kids to buy it. They even get kids killing each other over them. You want to invest in Nike. So that is what that overarching stocks is. It's a bunch of different companies under it. Cryptocurrency is exactly the same. It is an overarching asset class that has over 30,000 different cryptocurrencies in it. These cryptocurrencies, ladies and gentlemen, do all sorts of different things. Cryptocurrencies are used for money. Some of these cryptocurrency companies uh, repo cars. I have purchased in the past repo coin. I thought it's a great idea. I live in the community. I see repo trucks all the time. So if repo coin is going to do well, then I want to be a part of it. I am a recovering coinaholic, so I understand well how tempting it is to buy all these different cryptocurrencies. We're not going to get into that right now, but just know that there are over 30,000 30, cryptocurrencies out there. All cryptocurrencies are not created equal, and all cryptocurrencies are not designed for you to win. And when we get to the altcoin section, We'll talk a little bit more about that. So the onset of everything started with this cryptocurrency called Bitcoin. I call it the great grandfather of all cryptocurrencies or the godfather of all cryptocurrencies, if you will. So Bitcoin was invented as a peer-to-peer -peer system for online payments that does not require a trusted central authority. And we say trusted because we have always had to trust the banks, trust the banks with our money, trust the bank that they'll have the money when it's time for us to go there to get it. We've done all of those things, uh, but Bitcoin has grown into a technology. It is a currency. It's a way that we can exchange for goods and services. I do it all the time. I do it as much as I can without dipping into my savings, an investment vehicle, and there's a community of users. All around the world, ladies and gentlemen, there are people who are using Bitcoin. It's not just here in the United States. So you ask who created Bitcoin? Bitcoin was invented by an uh, anonymous person. I say uh, it's a woman. 
Some people say it's a man. Some people say it's a group of people. We have no idea. Black, white, yellow. We have no idea who created Bitcoin. Their, their pseudo anonymous name is Satoshi Nakamoto. And so I want to make sure that you understand Satoshi Nakamoto is a pseudo anonymous name, but we also use the word Satoshi as it relates to the smallest increment of a dollar of a Bitcoin, which is a Satoshi. And so we'll talk about that. But this mysterious person wrote the actual blockchain code for Bitcoin. And so we're forever grateful to whoever did it. A lot of people speculate that it was the federal government that started Bitcoin, uh, but they would have stopped it by now. They would have just cut it off if they had started it. But I am convinced that they have not. And I am also not worried about the fact that we don't know who Satoshi Nakamoto is, because if we take a look at our leaders, like Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, those individuals, that started talking to us about uh, economics and, and self-sovereignty and all the things that they were uh, moving to as opposed to just sitting in and, and marching and waiting. They started talking about hitting in the pockets and that's when they are no longer with us. I'll just say it that way. And so Satoshi Nakamoto, in my opinion, was very smart and is still with us today unless they passed away and we don't know because we don't know who it is, uh, but they're still with us today because the governments cannot put their hands on that particular individual to make them go in and try to stop the code and all of those things. But there are people working long and hard right now to stop the Bitcoin blockchain from succeeding, and they have not been successful, and we're happy about that. So why Bitcoin? What's so important about Bitcoin? Bitcoin was power to the people, and Bitcoin came about uh, in 2009, after the collapse of the housing market, and we saw the banks getting bailed out, all the chancellors in other countries were getting bailed out, and it just was really a sad situation. And it wasn't a sad situation because these business owners, these banks uh, needed those bailouts. It was because they had gotten back the properties that they were taking back from people through foreclosures. Then they got bailouts from the banks and they were still driving their private jets and still stacking millions and millions of dollars. And somebody said enough is enough. We have given our lives to these bankers by giving them our money. We've allowed them to make money hand over fist with the monies that we deposit in the bank. They turn around, they slap us in the face, and then they slap us twice because they get the property that they're uh, foreclosing on back from us. But then they also get money bailouts from our government, and it was really unfair. And so it was at that time that Satoshi Nakamoto actually put out uh, the announcement about this new thing called Bitcoin on the blockchain. And so Bitcoin has been here ever since. We just celebrated 14 years uh, of having Bitcoin on the scene and we're excited about it. So Bitcoin allows for exchange of value over the internet without any intermediaries, no banks. Uh, you don't necessarily need them and it gives users access to their balance. So I can literally, ladies and gentlemen, look at the blockchain and see what the balance is in my wallet if I have uh, my wallet address. And so you can find out what anyone has in their wallet if, as long as you have their wallet address, which is why a lot of people don't disclose that information here in the cryptocurrency space. It's supposed to be private. It is definitely secure. And at the same time, it's open source, just like I stated, it's on everyone's computer for everyone to see. When we come forward, ladies and gentlemen, 
we will uh, jump into one article that you need to hear about today. And then we're going to do our daily dollar cost average, but I want to still add all of you. So please tell someone to download the KBLA app so they can get in on understanding the basics of Bitcoin. This is KBLA Talk 1580. Old money, old money, new money, new money. We've got you covered. Keep it locked to the midday money chain on KBLA Talk 1580. <laughs> Now, let's get back to Ahead of the Crypto Curve with Naja Roberts on KBLA Talk 1580. All right. Welcome forward. Welcome forward. In this segment, we are going to do the Ask Naja Roberts. And so a couple of people were a little bit confused. They're reading that Genesis is filing for bankruptcy protection. And I want to make sure that everyone is understanding that Genesis is not Gemini. And I know that one time last year, it was hard for me to make the distinction only because I said Genesis and I was talking about Gemini, but I wanted to make sure that I clear that up. Genesis is a platform that was lending money on your crypto. So if you wanted to uh, leave your money with them to do what they call staking, Genesis was doing that, but they also were giving loans for your cryptocurrency. And so a lot of people uh, have their Bitcoin on their platform. And so I just want to make sure that we're clear about that. Now, Gemini is an actual exchange. Gemini is an exchange just like the one that I own. But this is the Winklevoss twins, the gentleman that actually created Facebook that Mark Zuckerberg stole their idea from them. So Gemini is an exchange. Genesis is a financial platform that helps people to expand their Bitcoin or not, because now that they're filing bankruptcy, I don't quite know how uh, this is going to play out for those individuals that have invested on the Genesis platform. We just have to kind of stand by and see how this affects everybody. But this is also um, a downwind uh, issue from the FTX debacle. So I believe Genesis had some things to do with FTX, which is why they are asking for bankruptcy relief. And I am not quite sure that we have seen the end of the amount of companies that are going to have to start filing bankruptcy because they believed in FTX and all that FTX was doing. So Genesis is one of those and they have done that. And so uh, I remember uh, just a couple of days ago, I'm trying to remember what it actually said, but I got a letter from BlockFi, which is another company that filed bankruptcy because of the FTX debacle. And they were just pretty much saying that, you know, they're going through bankruptcy. They gave all the proceedings. And when I looked at the amount of companies that Black BlockFi actually owned, kind of almost looked like not as many as uh, Sam Brankman Freed owned at FTX, but there were almost 20 something companies named on there. And so these gentlemen have been creating these companies and I thought I was busy, but they have really been busy uh, creating and creating and creating companies to take the lion's share of money and just really just monopolize the whole system. And so they have um, file bankruptcy so that they don't have to pay off their creditors and that they don't have to pay back a lot of their depositors. So we're going to really see the cryptocurrency space getting tight. And, and I don't mean tight as far as funding, tight as far as regulation, because I think that the regulators are, uh, I think that they're coming down hard on other individuals right now 
They still have not gone hard on Sam Bankman free, but they're coming down hard. And we're going to continue to see them coming down hard because they've got to prove a point that they're actually doing something, but they're doing something to some of the wrong people. I don't want to say all of the wrong people, because if people are doing illicit activities, they definitely deserve not to have their platforms. But for the most part, people that are doing the right thing, they're doing KYCs, they're checking out their clients, they're making sure that they're reporting and doing everything that needs to be done, they should be okay. And so I am really hoping that uh, they don't take this uh, too far out of control before they actually put some real regulation in place so that people have a, something basis for everything that's happening in and around this space here in the United States. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, when we come forward, we'll do our daily dollar cost average. This is KBLA Talk 1580. You're linked to the Midday Money Chain with Lynn Richardson and Naja Roberts exclusively on KBLA Talk 1580. Hey, where did you get all that cash? You mean this $750? Yes, that $750. Where did you get all that cash? Since it's January, I went to JanuaryCash45.com and got $750. You got $750? Yes. Just go to JanuaryCash45.com this month and follow the simple instructions on the site. Once you finish, the $750 is yours. It's that easy to get $750? It's January, so yes. You just answer the basic questions on the site, pick from the deals they show you, and get $750 sent to you by direct deposit or any of the major money apps like Venmo or PayPal. I'm always short on cash. I'm going to JanuaryCash45.com right now to get my $750. Ready to get your $750 in January? Get started right now at JanuaryCash45.com. So go to JanuaryCash45.com. Just go to JanuaryCash45.com. Follow the simple instructions and get your $750 fast and easy. Go to JanuaryCash45.com. That's JanuaryCash45.com. It's January. Don't wait. Go to JanuaryCash45.com. JanuaryCash45.com. JanuaryCash45 Com. Less BS per broadcast. Fewer microaggressions per megawatt. KBLA Talk 1580. Welcome forward. Welcome forward. All right, everyone. It is time for our daily dollar cost average. You know what I say, a DCA a day keeps poverty away. And so what we are doing is dollar cost averaging our way to wealth. And as you know, every day live on air, I buy $6 worth of Satoshis. A Satoshi is the smallest increment of a Bitcoin, just like a penny is the smallest increment of a dollar. There are a hundred pennies in a dollar, but there are 100,000 Satoshis in a Bitcoin. And so I want to make sure that you understand that you never have to buy a whole Bitcoin. You can buy fractional pieces of Bitcoin. We do it every day. We do it with just $6 a day. And so what I want you to do is take out your cell phones and go to your Black Wall Street wallet. And we are going to buy on the Black Wall Street wallet. If you haven't already downloaded the wallet, you can find it on your app store or your play store. But what we're going to do is click on this purple circle in the middle and it has two white arrows that click. And then you go to buy Bitcoin. You click on six dollars and it allows you one time once a month or you set it up and forget it. You can set it up and forget it, but every single day we're doing this manually just because I want you all to see how this actually works. But we're going to click on $6 one time. Today, I'm going to put it in my designated wallet, which is my KBLA 
TikTok 1580 wallet. I'm going to hit continue. And voila, I have just purchased $6 worth of Satoshis. And I'm getting less Satoshis today than I could a week ago, only because the price of Bitcoin is going up. And so we do dollar cost averaging because it helps us get rid of the volatility. We buy when the market is high, we buy when the market is low, and so it evens itself out. And I'm excited about this. And by April 1st, you will see how much Bitcoin I have amassed by just doing a simple $6 dollar cost average. And so with that, ladies and gentlemen, y'all don't touch that dial. It is time to make way for the DL Hughley Show. I wanna thank each and every one of you for rocking with me, your host, Naja Roberts, on this fabulous day as we talk to you on the head of the crypto curve where we are creating Satoshi millionaires, one day at a time, one family at a time, one Bitcoin at a time, and one Satoshi at a time. And ladies and gentlemen, that means you. Hey, you're listening to Nadja Roberts on the head of the crypto curve. Please follow her on all social media platforms at Nadja Roberts, no underscores, no dots, no numbers, just Nadja Roberts. Let's close the wealth gap. It's our turn. Or get left behind. Create your own economy. Let's get ahead of the crypto curve. KBLA 1580 Santa Monica.